0: welcome to our rolling hills community church sermon podcast i'm nick allen and i'm the nashville campus pastor here at rolling hills today marks the start of our new series christmas the supporting cast this christmas season as we look at the christmas story we'll keep our focus on the one who this season is really about jesus christ but we're also going to look at those involved in the christmas story who don't always get center stage those who played a role that made a difference but may not be found in your nativity scene at home These characters played a role that helped lead to the birth of our perfect Savior. And like these individuals, we too have a role to play in the story of Christ and His birth. And we're going to take a look at how we can play our part starting this Christmas season, starting today. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 1 together. We're so glad that you're here.
1: Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today, and welcome to all of our campuses. We are live streaming to all of our campuses today, and so welcome to our Knowlesville campus. So excited to see construction happening, and man, new building coming, praise God. And welcome to our Nashville campus. So thankful for all that God's doing at our Nashville campus, so many new people coming, and so thankful for all the ministry with JMI, and 413, and Shower Up, and all the great things happening there. Welcome to our Columbia campus, right? It's been 10 weeks since grand opening, and man, God is moving, and God is working. And welcome to everybody here at our Franklin campus. So glad that you're here today, and so exciting. We have baptism about every week, and seeing lives being changed, and so grateful, so thankful. And welcome to everybody who's watching online. From wherever you are, you know, we see new dots pop up, right, on the map around the United States and the world. And just know you're a part of the Rolling Hills Church family, and we Love you guys. You know, all together, right, we are the family of God. We're one church with many locations, but our vision statement says this, a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. A people of God reaching out. This isn't a country club, right? We're reaching out into our community, doing the rapping station and sharing Christ and, and man, praising God. We're also growing up. We're maturing in our faith. We're growing deeper in the word and stronger in the truth, and, and then we're giving all. This isn't just kind of a part-time thing. No, we're in it, man, because we want to lift up Jesus. We want to celebrate him. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen. I hope you had enough to eat. That was great. Get your stretchy pants on and all that. That's good. And a wonderful time with family and friends. And also, Merry Christmas. So we're turning that corner. We're headed toward Christmas, and I'm super excited about Christmas this year. We're in this new series called Christmas, the Supporting Cast. And we're gonna look at some people in the Bible who are kind of around the Christmas story, but they don't get a lot of the publicity. But the thing that separated them was they lifted up Jesus. They saw Jesus in the middle of all the busyness and all the chaos that was happening in their day and their time. And for all of us, man, that's our hope and our prayer. Because life gets really busy right now. And we can make Christmas about us, right? You know, you go shopping for Christmas gifts, and you're like, hey, one for them, and look at that. That would look great on me, you know. And so next thing you know, or you're clicking along and just click, that's me. That's me, or for my kids, or for this. And it's easy to make it about us. And what we want to do is say, no, it's Jesus that we celebrate. It's Jesus' birthday, right? Christmas. He's the Christ of Christmas. So let us be Christmas people let us be people who, in the busyness of life, in the craziness of life, in everything, the commercialism that Christmas has become, let us be people who focus on Jesus. Let us be that supporting cast. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew, so first book, New Testament. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter one. Now, at all of our campuses, we got some Bibles in the back, so if you need a Bible, you can head toward the back, grab a Bible also, if you've got a mobile device, you can access the Scriptures at UVersion, pull it up, Matthew chapter 1, uh, or, you know, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app, and we have the Scripture for you there. But I want to kind of break this down for us today. We are going to be in verses 1 through 17, which a lot of people skip over, okay? Let me just be honest, because there's a lot of hard names in there to read. I'm not going to read them all today, but, but I want you to see this, because it's so important. You know, Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, right? All of the Old Testament, all the Old Testament here is talking about the Messiah who's coming. Over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. The Messiah's coming. The Messiah, he'll make all things right. See, when man sinned, there was a separation from God. And man, knew in our heart of hearts, man, we need the Lord. We need God. And so God sent prophets. God sent people to tell and say, hey, the Messiah's coming. He's gonna make all things right. And it's all leading up here to the New Testament. And now when you get here to Matthew, right, you've got 400 years. This one page right here, this one blank page, is 400 years from Malachi to Matthew. 400 years is called the silent years of the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years of God being silent. And we see Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, You know, chronologically probably Nehemiah. But you've got these 400 years and you're thinking, why is God silent? What's God Getting ready to do. Well, I don't know if you've been to a wedding or you've been to a wedding rehearsal or you've been to a gender reveal, but there comes a moment, right, when they take a champagne glass and the host, you know, kind of taps on it and goes, shh, shh. me get everybody's attention because I got a big announcement. A big announcement. And there's that moment of silence when that anticipation. Everybody's waiting like, what's the big announcement? Right, here it is. And that's what we see. In that 400 years of silence, God going, hold on, shh, he's coming. The Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, he's coming. And that's Matthew. That's the New Testament. That's Jesus coming into this world. And Matthew writes about him and says, he's here. He's here. And if you get to verse 18, it's this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. But before Matthew gets there, he writes about his genealogy. He writes about all of these people throughout history who were looking forward to the Messiah, who had a part to play in the story that God was doing something bigger, God was doing something greater. And they got a little glimpse of it and they said, we wanna be a part of that. So Matthew, who writes this, Matthew was one of the disciples, right? You think about that, one of the 12 disciples. He had an eyewitness account. He watched Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He did ministry with Jesus. And Jesus' death, his burials, resurrection, Matthew was all around there. Matthew, in fact, was a tax collector before Jesus called him. So he was a business guy, probably pretty wealthy. You know, he worked for the IRS back then, okay? You know, he had some money, he had some bank. But then he knew there was something missing in his life. There was a hole in his heart. He knew there had to be more to life than, than just money. And one day Jesus comes along and says, hey, come follow me. And Matthew, who's also called Levi, leaves his job, and follows Jesus. It tells us that Matthew had a party at his house. He invited all of his non-believing friends, right? He says, come on over. I want you to meet the one who I'm gonna follow. I want you to meet the one who's changed my life. And so Matthew is this guy who's passionate about Jesus. And he sees the resurrection. He sees Jesus changing hearts and lives. And he writes this down, right? Several years after Jesus has ascended into heaven, he writes down this accurate account. And in verses 1 through 17, he gives all this genealogy because he's like, hey, we know the Messiah is going to be in the line of David. We know the Messiah and all those prophecies. We want you to see they're all fulfilled in Jesus. They're all fulfilled in him. Matthew also called Levi. Levi, he might have been a Levite, meaning he was part of you know, the, the temple. There and so the temple kept all these accurate records of Jews, they knew everybody's family, they knew everybody's history because you were a part of a tribe, right? You remember the 12 tribes of Israel, and so it mattered what tribe you were a part of, it mattered to your family, your genealogy mattered. It's interesting today, a lot of people are doing ancestry.com. Anybody done that yet? You know, way to go, way to go. You know, a few people have done it, it's it's awesome kind of look back and. And we've done a little bit of in our family. We can trace back for a ways. We've got a lot of law enforcement people in our family. We've got a lot of teachers in our family. We go back to, to Martha Washington. So it's kind of cool to kind of look back and see. You could go on and read a lot of stories about people who've met siblings that they didn't even know, right? Or they've met, you know, people they were related to they didn't even know. And they lived close by. And you, you see all these interconnectedness as you start to do that. And you dig in and you realize the people who've gone before us impact us. The people who live before us have passed down things to us, and it's impacted us. And that's what Matthew is trying to show. He's like, look at this. Look at this genealogy, and look at the Messiah here. So pick up Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm not going to read all these names, but I'm going to read a little bit to show you here. He says in verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, Right? He's here, Messiah also Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, it's not Jesus' last name. It's Christ the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. This is Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, now that's important right there because everybody knew that the Messiah was gonna be in the line of David. David, the greatest king in the Old Testament of Israel. And so the Messiah is gonna come in the line. There were some, if you read in the New Testament, some of the Pharisees would be like, well, we don't know if Jesus is the Messiah because he's from Nazareth, right? And they didn't realize that when the census came that Mary and Joseph went down to Bethlehem and had Jesus, Bethlehem, right? The house of bread, the city of David. So Jesus is in the line of David. And then you got Abraham. Abraham, who's the father of three major world religions, by the way, right? You go back to Christianity and Judaism and then 600 years after Christianity, right? You got Islam. and Islam traces back through Ishmael. So you can still see kind of even that divided day, right? Ishmael to Abraham. But the promise, the promise we see here is Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. So Jacob, you may remember, Jacob's name's changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, right? The tribes of Israel, Judah, The line of Judah, lion, is that symbol. So Jesus in the line of Judah, Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Hold on now. Guys, listen, listen, listen. This is a big deal because back then, genealogies did not include women. They didn't. Uh, Women were kind of on the outside looking in. Women didn't really have much status back in the world in this time. And Jesus' genealogy all of a sudden has women mentioned. What's God saying? All people are important to me. Everybody has a part to play in my story. You are valuable to me. Tamar, you skip down to verse five. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Hold on. Rahab, Rahab now not only is a woman, Rahab is a Gentile. I mean, that was big deal, guys. I mean, because now it's not just Jews in this line. Now you got Gentile. Rahab, in fact, was a prostitute. I mean, that, she was the one who hid the spies when they came in to the promised land to scout it out. That was Rahab. And she's mentioned here in the line of Jesus. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Okay, now we got another woman, and we got a Moabite. And the Jews and the Moabites, they didn't get along, right? And now all of a sudden, here's a Moabite woman in the middle of this genealogy. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Wow. This is incredible. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. (laughs) That's big. I mean, you're like, what? They're making a distinction right there. Yeah, she was married... David had an affair, but listen, I just want to value Uriah, who was out there fighting on the lines, fighting for the Lord, and we're just gonna give him some respect right here. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and it just kind of keeps going here. And I want to skip over here to to verse 11. It says, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And you see this exile to Babylon, you may think back and you think, Wow, God was so faithful even in the middle of that. Because back then, you know, you remember after Solomon, the, the nation was divided into two. And you had the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes. And you had the southern kingdom, the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And, and then you have the southern kingdom. And, and they were staying true to God. And then after a while, they started drifting. And God's going, hey, hey, you better come back to me. Otherwise, I'm going to put you in time out, right? They're gonna come in and conquer you and take you off, but after 70 years, you'll return. You know, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. And what happens? They kept moving away from God, moving away from God. And so in 586 BC, the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom and take them off into exile. And back then, if a nation conquered you, you're done. I mean, you're out. I mean, you're gone, you know? But no, God was faithful. Cyrus becomes the king of Persia. Persians come in and conquer the Babylonians in 538. And then they come back to Jerusalem and they resettle there. And in 516, they rebuild the temple, 586, 516, 70 years. Just like God said, God's faithfulness continues even through the hard times. And after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetelai. And Shetelah, the father of Zerubbabel. And then skip down here to verse 15. Eliehud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Yes! And what Matthew does is he traces it all the way back. And he says, look what God has been doing. God's faithfulness through the generations to bring salvation. Jesus' name literally means salvation. Yeshua. Salvation has come Now what's interesting is Matthew's genealogy goes back through Joseph. And we know that Joseph was the earthly dad, not the biological dad, right? That Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. But if you go over to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter three, there's the genealogy of Mary that goes all the way back to David and to Abraham. And what is God saying? God's saying Jesus, fully God and fully man. Fully God, that he has the power to conquer whatever we face. Fully man, that we can identify with him because he went through the same sufferings that we go through. You know that Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah, Isaiah 9-6, right? To us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Think about that. Why does it say to us a child is born, to us a son is given? He's talking about the adoption, the biological. He's talking about the humanity and the divinity of Christ. And we see that right here in the genealogy. Joseph, it was a prediction 800 years before that God was going to send his son who would be adopted into this world. But he would also be the savior of the world. Praise be to God. Hey. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Salvation has come. All of history, all of history has been leading up to Jesus. Think about that. When Jesus was born, he split history in two. You had Old Testament, New Testament, but you got B.C. and A.D., right? Everything changed, and it all came right here, and Jesus is still changing the world today. One life at a time, one heart at a time, salvation has come and will never be the same. And God's inviting us, and God's inviting you into that story today. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Oh, this is so good, right? If, man, if you've got a worship guide at one of our campuses, hey, pull that out. If you are online, you can go to the app and you can fill in some blanks. But I want you to see this today because there's a lot we can learn right here from verses one through 17, which most people skip over, right? But God has so much truth for us right here. All right, look at this. God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Notice this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, there are no perfect people besides Jesus. Sometimes we read the Bible and we go, man, I could never measure up. These people had it all together. No, 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 no. Okay, let's think about Abraham. Yes, Abraham was credited to him by righteousness. He walked by faith, did a lot of great things. He was generous. He tied, you know, his first 10%. I mean, he did a lot of great things, but, but Abraham was also a liar. I mean, he really was. There was a time he was with his wife, Sarah, and Sarah must have been very beautiful, and they go down, and, and Pharaoh, over Egypt, looks at Sarah and says, hey, I want her, and then Abraham's like, well, she's my sister. And he takes her way to go, Abraham, way to stick up for your wife, right? I mean, because back then, you see, if there was a beautiful woman, I mean, more powerful men would kill them and take them into their harem, right? They would kill the man and take the wife into their harem. And so he's like, no, no, she's my sister, it's okay. And then God just like puts this plague over Egypt and Pharaoh's like, whoa, 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 she's not your sister, she's your wife. He's like, oh yeah, I lied. But God protected Sarah. And then you think he learned his lesson, but no, there was the king of and he does the same thing. She's my sister. Now, he didn't really technically lie. She was a half-sister, okay? it's like kind of happens back then, right? But, but here he is, like, you think thinking this is a man of God, but he didn't even trust God in that situation. He wasn't perfect. Or what about David? Woo! David was a man after God's heart, and yet David slept with Uriah's wife, <laughs> And then had Uriah murder one of his guys, one of his own guys, to try to cover it up. But praise God that he turned around and repented and came back to God. There, there are no perfect people besides Jesus. That's encouraging you guys. Amen. That's encouraging for all of us, right? Glory to God. Amen. All right, look at this. You were born at this time in history for a reason and a purpose. Now think about that. These people had their day. They had their time. They had their challenges, they had their struggles, they had their fears. We have our day, we have our time. And what are we gonna do with our day and our time? Are we gonna live it for ourselves and just kinda pass on and then nobody even knows, or are we gonna live for the glory of God? Are we gonna say, I wanna bring glory to God with my life, I wanna be used, I wanna further God's kingdom. God put you in the family you're in for a reason and a purpose. God put you in the United States for a reason or purpose. God put you in your workplace for a reason or purpose. And when we begin to understand that, then we can make a difference. and We start to live for the glory of God there. Hey, don't disqualify yourself. See, a lot of times what we do is we go, well, God can't use me. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know where all the books are. <laughs> I, I did some things in my past. I made some mistakes. God can't, you don't disqualify yourself. God's not disqualifying you. I mean, you've got women in this genealogy. You've got Gentiles in here. You've got prostitutes in here. I mean, you've got some people who made some bad decisions, and yet they turned it around and found forgiveness and grace and the glory of God and started to live for God, and God did great things through them, and God wants to do great things through you. Man. All right, you are invited into God's redemptive story. You have an invitation. God's drawing you to himself. God's inviting you in. And like I said, it's so easy for us to get caught up in this world. It's so easy for us to get caught up in everything else that's going on. And we can find ourselves, you know, living for the things of this world. And there's no greater disappointment than to succeed at things that don't matter. But we want to succeed at things that do matter. We want to succeed at things that are eternal. We want to make a difference and leave a legacy for the glory of God. Hey, we can't control what is passed down to us. You can't control that. Right? You, you look at this. You, you can't control what is passed down to you. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Jesus had some dysfunction in this family tree. Jacob that guy he was a deceiver. I mean, you go back and read the Old Testament, right? He deceived his dad. He deceived his brother. His brother out of the birthright. His dad out of the blessing. I mean, he deceived his father-in-law. He was a deceiver. <laughs> and yet, God changed his name to Israel, and he had 12 sons. Judah? Yikes. Judah made some bad decisions, right? I mean, he, he was with his own daughter-in-law. I mean, it's like, hold on, man. I mean, like, but yet... God redeems, God restores, God makes things new, God makes things right. We've all got some dysfunction in our family. None of us have a perfect family tree. None of us have a perfect family tree. We all got that crazy uncle, right? Or we got that crazy aunt, or we got that person, that cousin, or we got somebody over here. We used to have Aunt June. Every Thanksgiving, we would go to me and my parents, family, and there was Aunt June, and, and, and us kids were always like, uh, who's sitting by Aunt June, you know, because we didn't know what was gonna happen with Aunt June, right, you know, so, so there was always this person in our, our family. Everybody's got somebody, right? Here's the thing, none of us have a perfect family tree because there's no perfect people out there, and there's no perfect church out there, and we've all failed, we've all fallen short, but we're all pursuing, hopefully, for the glory of God. Hey, don't let the past define you. And I think this is what happens for so many people. They just go, well, that's just my family. That's who we are. And then they just fall back into that same trap. Well, my family, you know, we just have anger issues, that's who we are. We just get mad, we just yell, we just scream, you know, that's what we do, that's who we are. My family, we just, we're just alcoholics, that's who we are, that's just what we do. Yeah, my family, this is just who we are. and it becomes kind of this excuse in our lives. We we let the past define us, and we let the things that were passed down to us kind of define us, and we hold on to that. No! You can stop that. You can change your family tree. You can be the one that says, hold on, hold on, I can't control what came down to me, but man, I can stop it right here. I'm not gonna let it define me going forward. I'm gonna be different. See, through Jesus, you can overcome your past. And that's the beautiful part about Jesus. He makes all things new. He makes all things right. And for you and I, when we are in Christ, we start to live differently. And we start to pass things on differently. We invest in the things that matter. Hey, we can't control what's passed down to us, but man, we can control what we pass on to the next generation. And that's awesome. That's awesome. We can't control what we pass on to the next generation. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Hey, the decisions you make today impact the next generation. David's decision there with Uriah's wife impacted his own family. Absalom rebels against him, his own son. I mean, there was always this division, right? But, but, Psalm 51, David repents. He comes back to God. He gets on his knees. He's broken over his sin. And he turns around and says, God, I want to live for you. And then with his son Solomon, he starts to pour into him, pour into him, challenge him. Solomon, be a man after God's heart. Solomon, you build the temple. Solomon, you pass on to the next generation. Solomon, I want you to walk for the glory of God. You know, he begins to change. He begins to pour in and invest Hey, we're all passing on something to the next generation. We are. We're all passing on something. A lot of times we, we spend a lot of time, you know, going through our finances, go, I want to pass on an inheritance. I want to pass on money to the next generation. And that's great. You know, I mean that, that's good. That's that's fine. I saw a statistic the other day that, you know, when people pass on, they work 30 years and they pass on to their kids, and usually what they pass on is gone in about 18 months. <laughs> I mean, it just gets spit. It's just like there, you know. It, I mean, I think it's important, pass that on, pass on money, pass on things, you know. But you start to think about, well, what else am I passing? Well, you're passing on what you believe. You're passing on values. You're passing on what's important in your family. You're passing on, you know, what they're gonna do, their traditions. What are you, as you think about that, passing on? And money's great, and that's important. I also saw the other day where like 70% of, you know, Christian education in elementary school is paid for by grandparents. I think grandparents start to get to the point and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I can't take any of this with me. What am I gonna pass on, right? How am I gonna invest in my grandkids or my great-grandkids? What am I gonna do? And for all of us, we need to take some time and think about that. We're not taking anything with us. Right, there's no U-Hauls behind hearses. You know? It's not like we're, we're taking that. Whatever we have, we're passing on. So what are we passing on? What are you passing on to the next generation? As a church, we have a calling to pass on our faith in Jesus to our community. We have a calling, guys. What are we passing on as a church? You, you know, some of you think about this. You accepted Christ in a church. <laughs> Maybe as a kid, you accepted Christ as a church that you didn't build, you didn't pay for, right? Or you were baptized in a baptistry that you didn't build or make. Some of you, were, you were married in a church that you didn't build, that you didn't give to, but, but other people did. And other people thought, hey, I wanna pass on something, and you were the recipient of that. Or maybe you attended the funeral for a parent or a grandparent Somebody walked with the Lord and you went to that church and you saw those people and you saw their faithfulness to God and you were there and you grieved, but you also celebrated your loved one's life in a place because you knew other people have gone before me and other people wanted to invest in me. That's the body of Christ. That's what we do. That's why we do what we do. We're impacting not just us and our kids. We're impacting our community. We're impacting others, impacting people's lives. What are we passing on to our community? You know, every year at Rolling Hills, right, we do a red envelope. And you got one this morning at all of our campuses. And, and, and a red envelope for us is, is something that we always say. You know, when we buy presents for our family and for our friends, we go around at Christmas. And we get. But sometimes we forget it's Jesus' birthday. And so we say every year, let's, let's do a red envelope. Let's, let's do a gift to Jesus. Uh, We get to the end of the year and, you know, for all of us, we kind of go through our finances and we go, man, did I give my first 10% God? You know, I go back over that. But the red envelope is above that. It's above and beyond. It's just a gift to the Lord. And so this year, we said, what is this going to go to? And every year we try to do something special. We try to do something unique. And this year's red envelope, we said, we're going to do something for the kids. You know, for kids, it's been a hard year. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we've had quarantine, quarantine, We've had social distancing. We've had masks one day, no mask the next day, and back, back to mask, and back to no mask. You know, they've just had this fear, this uncertainty. And so we said, what if we built playgrounds where kids could be kids? And so at our Franklin campus, we're gonna build a playground, right? We have one for preschool, now we have middle school and high school, we have a basketball courts, but we want an elementary playground. In our Nolensville campus, we need a, a playground for the learning center. And we need a place because of all the construction. We need a new playground there. At our Nashville campus, we need a, a playground. We've got this learning center that's starting to grow and all these kids coming. At our Columbia campus, we want to paint all the playground equipment there at Riverside Elementary. We just want to bless the community. We want to make it nice so that people come. you know. And then we're going to take, And every time we do an offering, we, we take a tithe. And you know, in our For the Kingdom, we, we tithe and we have two transitional homes that we're gonna be building in Moldova. We already raised the money for it, for orphans and for vulnerable kids. We're gonna tithe, on the red envelope, to the Refuge Center. The Refuge Center in our community, a counseling center. Amy Alexander, who goes to our church as executive director, she started the ministry, over 50 therapists who've worked with many of our kids, many families, we're just gonna bless them. We're just gonna say, hey, here you go, we want to bless you, they're building a new place, a new center. Guys, we want to pass on something individually, yes, but as a church, in our community, to point to Jesus. Hey, create new traditions in your family. You you guys, you have the opportunity. I have the opportunity. We have the opportunity. What are the things that you could do? Maybe in your family it was always, you know, the same thing, the same thing, but you can start a new tradition, that's the great part. Hey, before we open gifts this year, we're gonna read the Christmas story. We're gonna go to Luke chapter two. We're just gonna read the Christmas story. Yeah? Or before we open gifts, we're gonna pray. Or we're gonna go to the Christmas Eve services. Or, or hey, we're gonna get a new Bible. Every year, I'm gonna get you a, a new Bible. Or I'm gonna highlight verses in this Bible. I'm gonna give it to you. You know, i got to get you a book. I'm gonna get you a Christian book or something that you can read. I'm gonna start a new tradition. I'm gonna give you camp to my kids, you know, so next summer, you get to go to camp, or you're, we're gonna go on a mission trip together as a family. Whatever it is, putting a star on top of the Christmas tree and talking about why that's important, start a new tradition that you can pass on to those who come behind you. Hey, what are you passing on in your family? Think about that, think about that. Time goes fast, it goes fast. What are you passing on? All right, look, Jesus is the hope and the focus of all history. I mean, everything is leading up to Jesus here. And then everything in the New Testament is talking about Jesus. In your life, in my life, it's all about Jesus. It's Him, right? Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Messiah. And there's some Jews today, right? Who're still waiting for the Messiah to come. We <laughs> like, say Jesus came; He's the Messiah. He is here. There's people around the world who're waiting for a hope and a Savior, and they're thinking it's a political leader or somebody else. And hey, hold on, no, no, He's here, and He's doing more than politics. He's doing a change in our hearts and in our lives. We are the supporting cast. When we begin to get that in our minds, it changes how we live. The Westminster Catechism, right? The chief aim of man is to bring glory to God and to enjoy him forever. (laughs) We're not the star of the show. You know, that takes the pressure off too. When it's all about us, there's a lot of pressure on us. When it's all about him, that's freeing. I mean, that's all about him. And I'm gonna live my life for his glory. Hey, look at this. Our call is to bring glory to God with our life. When we begin to live like that, wow. There is joy There is peace, there is purpose. Guys, there is true fulfillment in life when we live for Jesus. There's true fulfillment. Otherwise, we're we're scared, we're worried, we're afraid, we're stressed out all the time. But fulfillment comes when I'm living my life for the glory of God. See, Jesus came to make all things new. I love this, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The old is gone and the new has come. You, through Christ, are a new creation. And God is with you and God is for you. Hey, I don't know where you are today. (laughs) Maybe you're here today and man, there's been a lot of stuff that's been passed on to you and it's been hard. I wanna encourage you, maybe deal with it. Go to a counselor. We've got an incredible counselor on our staff, Kathy Kuhn, who's amazing. Or the Refuge Center, deal with those things. If you see that coming out in your life, go and I'm just, don't rationalize it, and go, I'm just gonna pass that on. No, 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 deal with it. Maybe in your life, you just go, you know, wait a minute. What am I passing on? What am I passing on to the next generation? What am I pouring in to those who come behind me? Maybe a day you just go, you know what, this Christmas, I want it to be about Jesus. I don't want it to be about me. I wanna put the focus, the attention on him, and I wanna bring glory to God. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, just for a moment. I don't know where you are, but at all of our campuses, maybe today is the day of salvation. Maybe in your heart, your life, you go, man, there's something missing. And there's worry, there's fear, there's concern, and today, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. Like Matthew, who said, you know, I don't want to just make money or try to make a name for myself. I want to live for Jesus. Maybe you don't have to leave your job, but man, leave your old life, your old desires. Maybe today God's calling you to take a next step in your spiritual journey, to follow Him, to trust Him. Maybe God's calling you to be baptized. Maybe God's calling you to to be in a men's group or a women's group, or be discipled. Maybe God's calling you to get up in the mornings and read his word. Maybe God's calling you to really evaluate what are you passing on. Maybe today God's just saying, hey, focus on me. I love you with an everlasting love. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. And we've come, God, to hear your word. We've come, God, to worship you. We've come to start this Christmas season with our focus on the Christ of Christmas, Jesus. Meet us in this moment, oh God, and change us forever. Emmanuel, God with us. And our lives will never be the same. And it's in the beautiful, holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit the website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and the ways that you can connect and be involved. We're really thankful for you.